So summer's over. If you're retired, you're now thinking of planning your summer holiday when there'd be no kids nipping at your feet and you get a cheaper holiday as well and summer's over and it's 31 degrees and the kids are back in school. What's that all about? But anyway, do you have a good summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah good, good, good. Uh, we had a, a good summer, but I, I was thinking this week of, of summer holidays I had as a kid. So when I was a kid, all of our summer holidays were in static caravans in the UK. And Dad used to work in a factory, so it was shut down fortnight, last week of July, first week of August. We'd go somewhere in this country, and we'd, we'd be in a static caravan for two weeks. And my sister and I used to love it. Because on a static caravan holiday in the 70s and the 80s, early 80s, there was a sense of freedom where you could go and and almost do whatever you want and your parents would give you breakfast and say goodbye to get rid of you and then you'd see them for lunch and then you'd see them for tea. And it was just wonderful. The parents thought it was wonderful because as kids we weren't with them and as kids we thought it was wonderful because we weren't with our parents either. And we just used to absolutely love it. And what we also used to love was the campsite shop. It's full of tut, to be honest with you. I don't know what it is when you're a nine and ten year old. The campsite shop is absolutely fascinating because it, it's like a very expensive jumble sale. It's got everything that you don't buy in a normal day, but it's in the campsite shop. But what we also used to like was mum used to alternate it between my sister and I that in the morning we were given the money and allowed to go on our own to the campsite shop to buy the daily paper, to buy some bread and some milk, if that's what we needed. Don't know why that was exciting. At 52, I couldn't think of anything worse than going and having to do that as the highlight of my holiday. But that's what we used to do. And there was this one day that sticks in my mind, and I can still vividly remember it. Mum was cooking breakfast. Yes, it was a fry-up. It was the, the late 70s, so there was fried bacon, fried eggs, fried sausages. Yes, we were a black pudding family as well. And it was and fried bread. It was, it was a heart attack on a plate, basically. It was wonderful. And I remember mum saying to me, you've got 10 minutes. Can you go and get the paper? We need some bread and some milk. There's the money. Off I trot, I get the bread, and as I leave the, the caravan, I, the window's open, I can see mum in the window, I can smell the, the fry-up, I thought, oh, this is lovely, this is going to clog up the old arteries, I can't wait to come back and eat this, and off I go to the shop, I come back, I buy the stuff, I put it all in my bag, I come back, and I see, and I walk into the caravans, all this, like a, like a military, isn't it, all the, the caravans uniformed, all in a row, all looking exactly the same, I see mum in the window cooking the bacon and all of that. I walk into the caravan. I, I put the bag on the, the little table. I walk right down to the end of the caravan where you can sit. And I sit down. And as I sat down, I had this uneasy feeling that something wasn't quite right. And as I looked up, I saw the family staring back at me. Only they weren't my family. And in that moment, at what it felt like time stood still as I see a mum, a dad, a sister and a brother staring back at me. I stood up, I walked down, I grabbed the bag and I walked out without saying a word. <laughs> and neither did they. They didn't say a word. I do wonder, that was 40 odd years ago, I wonder if they're still thinking about it as well. You see, everything seemed the same. 
It was the same, it was the identical caravan. There was a, an identical family. The problem was it wasn't my family. You see, it all looked as if it was all the same, but the heart was wrong. Because the heart in my caravan was my mum, my dad and my sister. But in this caravan, there was a mum, there was a dad, there was a, a, a brother and a sister. I'm sure they were a lovely family, but they were not at the centre. They were not at the heart of my life. Whereas in our caravan, my parents, my, my sister, the dog, was at the heart of my life. And this morning on our Vision Sunday, uh, as Gary and I have shared already, a Sunday where we share what as an eldership we feel God is saying to us as a church, as we enter this new season, I want to ask, what is the heart of life for you? What is, what is at the heart? Are you, are you in the right caravan? And what we sensed uh, as leaders, and as, as an eldership, is that we're being called into a season of intentionality, where we make Jesus the heart of everything. And I understand that a vision of Jesus, the heart of everything, can sound very uh, obvious and simplistic. We all know that Jesus' rightful place is at the heart of everything we are, and at the heart of his church. But, but is he? Do we, do we actually stop and ask that question? Are we intentional about putting Jesus at the heart of everything that we are? Do we ask, do we ever stop and ask others, do you see Jesus flowing through me? To, to allow Jesus to be at the heart of everything. Yes, I, I did say allow because Jesus does not barge into our lives. He wouldn't barge into the church. He waits to be invited as we surrender all aspects of our lives to him. But for Jesus to be at the heart of everything, it takes effort. It takes a huge amount of intentionality on a constant basis. But once Jesus is truly the heart of everything, we intend, as we intentionally seek to put him front and center all the time and in every situation, life is different, life is better, not free from struggle or pain, but it's somehow manageable even in those painful seasons. The Bible talks about how we're to endure. And surely it's better in a tough season to endure with Jesus at the heart of you as opposed to without Jesus at the heart of you. You see, my family were not at the heart of that caravan I walked into over 40 years ago. And because of that, in that moment, life was all wrong. They were even cooking a fryer, but it wasn't as good as what we were going to have. You see, life was all wrong. It, it was out of kilter. And when things are out of kilter, life is out of harmony or out of balance. Life is just kind of off. And maybe you can think of things in your life that can feel out of harmony or, or out of balance. They just feel a bit off. Maybe you can look back and see times in your life when that's been the case. Maybe you, you have a relationship that just isn't right, a, a work situation that makes you feel uncomfortable, a lifestyle that's not life-giving, and a whole host of other things where you haven't allowed, you haven't intentionally put Jesus at the heart of them. 
For you see, when Jesus is not at the heart, at the center of everything, things will not be right. Jesus, the heart of everything, is not about a life of perfection, for that's unattainable, this side of eternity, but it is about a life of intentionality. And if you want to take a word away from today, it's the word intentionality. Write it down, underline it, highlight it, whatever you want to do to get it in your head and in your heart. You need to be intentional about a walk with Jesus. Because if we're just quite passive and and we're kind of just hoping that these things will just happen, we're, we're, we're just hoping that Jesus will be at the heart of who we are and everything we do and at the heart of this church, or if we're passive, it, it does not just happen. You have to work at it. You have to choose daily, moment by moment, to bring, to allow, to invite Jesus to be the heart of everything. But when Jesus is, our relationships are better. Our work in life is more fulfilled. Our finances work better. The stress levels can be reduced as we breathe in more of Jesus and breathe out those things that are troubling us. Addictions can be broken. We experience the wisdom of Jesus in our struggles and we see uh, ways and solutions that we didn't see before. We live and move in the, the heartbeat of Jesus. He becomes the heartbeat to our life. You know, Jesus being the heart of everything is what it means to live life in all its fullness. We often talk about life, don't we, when it comes to living with Jesus. And if a relationship with Jesus is life, then it stands to reason that a life without Jesus is death. I recently read of a a conversation with a non-Christian and a Catholic theologian. I don't often read of those kind of conversations, but I just happened to come across it uh, the other week. And in this conversation, the Catholic theologian was trying to explain to a man on a train what the Christian faith is all about. And in this conversation, the theologian talks about how life without Jesus is a bit like death. And at this point, in the conversation went like this. You've got something right, says the non-Christian. This world is certainly ruled by death. I mean, the world is wonderful and how I love it, being alive and all. Sport, culture, friendship, food, sleep, sunrises, love. There's there's so much good. But but it's like he said, it's all under a shadow. You know, a, a curse, like it's just not right. Wars, hatred, division and death. Death is the name of all that, you know. Man, yes, exactly, says the theologian. The Christian hope is that death did not have the final word on Jesus, and because of that, it doesn't have the final word over anything. That's how central he is to things. He's the final word, and therefore the heart of everything. The beating heart of life. And all that good stuff you mentioned, it finds its home with him. He's alive, he's Lord, there's hope, that's the idea. The heart of everything. The beating heart. Of life. Friends, what would it mean for Jesus to truly, intentionally, to be the beating heart of your everything? And for a moment, dream a dream with me. Imagine Jesus, the beating heart of everything for everyone in the communities where we live. Our neighbours, the shop workers, 
the office workers, the people we see in the high street. If Jesus was the beating heart of everyone, it would change everything, wouldn't it? But it has to start with us, this, with this church. For we cannot encourage or uh, enable our community to put Jesus at the heart of everything if he's not the heart of our everything. We read in Proverbs 4, uh, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And, and we're to guard our heart from the things that would seek to stop Jesus being the heart of everything. You see, it's a tension, it's a battle. I think we walk with this tension because there are things in the world that would seek to stop us allowing Jesus to be the heart of everything that we are. And the battle that we have is if we give in to those things, Jesus will not be the heart of everything that we are. And it's a tension that we live live with. We, We love him, we serve him, we worship him, but we don't always live as if Jesus is the heart, the beating heart of everything we do, all of our decision making, all of our everything. And that's because we're human and we fail and our faith can ebb and flow. But discipleship means we... We seek intentionally to become more like Jesus. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. It has to be a, a daily choice. Jesus, the heart of everything, is what it means to work out our salvation. Yet I, I think sometimes we settle. We feel we've, we've come far enough in our relationship with Jesus, and yet when we understand and live out Jesus is the heart of our everything, we realize that there's always more. It's like that diamond, there's always more. And we have to go after that. So we're, we're, we're called to, we're instructed to guard our hearts for everything we do flows out from that. And if Jesus is not at the center of your heart, then he can't flow out from it. But if Jesus isn't at the center, believe me, something else will take that spot. And that is what will flow out of you and will rule your life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Friends, there's no other way. There's no other truth. There is no other life. Jesus is it. Much in in the same way when I sense God speak to me that Jesus was the heart of every home, there will be revival. So it is when Jesus is the heart of our lives, truly the heart of our everything, revival happens within us again and again and again. And this flows out of us and into our communities. But we need to seek and live by his way and his way only. His truth and his truth only. And accept and be contented with his life and his life only. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it, what, to the half measure? (laughs) Have it a little bit? Have it a smidgen? He says, have it to the full. And I think if you asked anybody... Do they want a full life? They say, yeah, of course I want a, a full life. Often at a funeral service, you hear the deceased, that they lived a long and, and full life. And, and the truth is, we're often thinking about all of their achievements, their hobbies, their career, the many places they visited on holiday. They, they were married for 810 years and had 35 children and 800 grandchildren, and they lived a wonderfully full life. That's not Jesus' life. That's not life in all its fullness. That's not what the Bible means when it talks about having a life and having it to the full. For it says that it's only in and through Jesus. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not all these other stuff. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's only through Jesus being the heart of everything you will truly experience life in all its fullness. 
And in a letter the apostle wrote to the church in Colossae, we, we see who Jesus is and what we're to do. Let's have a look at Colossians 1, 15 to 23. It should come up on the screen. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Friends, this means us. Okay, He, he holds it all together and the church And so if we are his, and it stands to reason that everything we are and everything we do should also be his. Jesus, the heart of everything. Paul says Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Jesus needs to be the beating heart of the church. Oh, I I know we would say he is, but, but let me ask us, is he? Really? The beating heart of everything? Or are we sometimes led by what we want and how we like things to be? Do we stand against any change because we have a clear direction from God to do so, or because we don't like it? It's an uncomfortable question, isn't it, when it's 31 degrees? Some of you will remember it was nearly a year ago that I came and preached with a view to becoming your church pastor. And the passage I felt led to that Sunday was from John's Gospel where, where Jesus is at a wedding in Canaan and they run out of wine and Jesus' mum says to the servants, just do whatever Jesus tells you to do. The event of the wedding in Canaan was over 2,000 years ago and friends, nothing has changed. We are still to be doing whatever Jesus tells us to do because he is at the heart of everything we are. And yet my personal experience is I often do things in my life because I want them. Because I want to do them. And my experience of leading churches is that as churches we often have conversations that involve phrases like, well, that seems like a fantastic idea. I sense this from God, but so-and-so is not going to like that. And, and, and that's going to be a little bit awkward. And it's going to be a difficult conversation and a bit of a battle because they never like that. Excuse me? What, what did we just read? Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. Not, not any of your ministers, not any of your elders, not any of your trustees, not the, the, the person who's been a member of the church the longest. Jesus is the head of the church. And we are to never forget that. And yet in every church I've been part of as a member, I can remember my home church and some of the the church meetings, they were horrendous. Because they were one or two people who would always stick their hand up and if you said it was black, they would swear blind it was white. And they stopped, they stifled the church moving forward. And as a teenager, I wanted to scream, who on earth do you think you are? Jesus did not die on a cross so that you can have your way and everything that you want in this church. Because Christ is the head of the church. Amen? Amen. And may we never, ever forget that Jesus is the head of the church. 
And yet every church I've been part of as a member or as a member and a minister, there's always been the case where somebody says, you need to brace yourself because that's going to be a difficult conversation. That's going to be a battle, that is. That's not going to happen. I strongly believe, friends, when that happens, we've lost the idea of Jesus being the heart of our congregation, the heart of our church. Don't hear me wrong. It's correct that we honour people for what they do, and they have done, and we speak with love and respect, and we listen to each other. But may we never forget whose church this is. You know, it's Jesus' church. In every church, you, you have pillars. We have physical pillars. But in every church you have a pillar, you have pillars, you have pillars, and pillars serve two purposes. They hold things up. And without them, everything falls down and everything crumbles. And in church life, there are those people who are, they're stalwarts, they're amazing. They, 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 they hold it up and, and, and they're just so, so godly men and women and, and Jesus speaks through them and people are drawn to them. And wow! We are the richer for them. But another service, another aspect of a pillar is that it can be a blockage. If you're stood behind a pillar that is not willing to move, you cannot see what's in front of you. May we never be a church that has pillars that block God's work being done. But may we have pillars that to hold things up and are godly and are what Jesus wants and draw others and help others, but they do not hinder. We read on from Colossians. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. This means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. We're in his presence. Jesus is to be right at the heart of everything. Are you with me? I feel a bit like the Rugby World Cup. We need a, a break halfway through, a water break, because it's so hot, you know. We read in verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached over all the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And then I want to jump to chapter 2 of the same letter and read verses 6 to 10. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Friends, not into the things of the world, not into our wants and desires, not into our traditions, not into our history, but into Jesus. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. You will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone catch you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, 
lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. Amen, amen, amen. Friends, allowing or letting or being intentional in, in seeing our roots grow down into the life of Jesus has two elements to it. First, it takes time. You will know it takes time for roots to establish, to grow deep down and strong into the ground. And as this happens, the plant needs to be fed and watered. You have to take care, especially of young plants. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to work at it. If you're not working at it, what happens? It dies. It takes, as we've already said, it takes intentionality for roots to grow down. But the second element is that it's a continual process. Notice Paul doesn't say, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him once and then you're done. No, twice in the verses we've already heard today, Paul uses the word continue. In chapter 1, verse 23, he says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. And then in verse 6 of chapter 2, Paul says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him. Friends, for me, the key word here is continue. It's why we're looking at Jesus, the heart of everything, as a vision for this next season, because we need to continue to put Jesus at the heart of everything. We need to make sure we're we're in the right caravan. And friends, Jesus is at the heart of who we are. And notice, if you're not in the right caravan, what do you need to do? You need to walk out and find the right one. Don't stay in the caravan that's not the, at your heart, that's not the right thing. Leave it and find the caravan that is right. Find Jesus. You know, for Jesus to be the heart of everything, the heart of your life, the heart of the church, what does it mean? It means he's in control. It means you no longer desire to independently run your own lives or to run our own church, but we learn the art of surrender of our whole self and our whole church to Jesus and to follow his lead. Imagine over two million Jewish slaves wandering in the wilderness. For 400 years, they they were enslaved in Egypt, providing the hard labor force to support the luxurious lifestyle of its citizens. God had heard their cries and brought them out by his own power under the direction of Moses. Next, they were wandering, waiting on the Lord to bring them into the land he promised. And when the people settled in an area, God gave specific instructions on how to set up camp. Certain tribes were to camp in the north and the south. Others were to camp in the east and the west. And the center of the camp was reserved for the tabernacle. A portable structure where the people gathered to worship the Lord. It was a physical thing, but it was powerfully symbolic. For God was at the center. He was the heart of everything. And friends, that is the way God wanted it then. And that is the way God wants it today. We're not designed, that we were designed for the purpose of knowing Jesus Christ and making him the heart of our lives. We may ask, what do we mean? It means we acknowledge that Jesus has the ultimate authority in our lives and in this, his church. And we voluntarily surrender the control of our lives and this church to him. That's it. We surrender everything uh, to him. 
Why? Why do that? Well, we do it because Jesus created. He created us and he created this church. All things are under his rule. We read from Colossians chapter 1. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and he holds it together like a head does a body. Jesus created. Secondly, Jesus controls. Controls everything. 1 Timothy 6 calls Jesus the blessed controller of all things. I like the message version. It says, the blessed and undisputed ruler. <laughs> it's a bit like a boxing match, isn't it? But they go, fine. But he's the undisputed ruler. There is nobody else that rules as good as Jesus. No one above him. And finally, Jesus is faithful. We're reading too. Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Friends, Jesus created you. He controls everything and he is faithful. So why wouldn't we want to allow him to be the center of everything that we are? Because it's clear that Jesus can do a better job than we can. That's why we need to be intentional and let Jesus be the heart of everything. I said earlier in the sermon that you may think a vision of Jesus, the heart of everything, is a bit simplistic and maybe a bit, I don't know, a bit too obvious. So let me ask you as we come to a close. Is Jesus truly the heart of everything for you? It's it's, it's not a complicated question. It needs an honest answer. So if you don't give an honest answer, you won't be able to move forward. You'll be stuck where you are. In your, in your life, is, is Jesus truly and utterly the heart of everything that you are? I don't mean, as Nicky Gumbel once, once said, when you wake up, you say, Jesus, which socks should I put on first, my left or my right? I don't mean that, he's giving you common sense. But, you know, in in your finances, in, in the trajectory of your career, in your relationships, in your social life, in your desires, in, in, in your hopes and, and all of your dreams for, for life, is, is Jesus in control of all of that? If... If he's not in control of all of that, if, if, if you're just, for argument's sake, going, going for the promotion because it'll be more money and that'll be nice and I better holidays, and you haven't given Jesus a second thought about it, you haven't, you haven't prayed about it, that, then he's not in control. Jesus, in control of everything, doesn't mean that you don't get the promotion. Doesn't mean that you don't have the nice holiday doesn't mean that you don't have all of these other things in life. But, it, but if you haven't brought it to Jesus, if you haven't surrendered it to Jesus, how do you know if he wants that for your life? Is, is Jesus right there in, in charge of everything in your life? You know, the reason Paul says we're to continue to believe in Jesus and, and stand firm and we're con- to continue to follow Jesus is because he knew that unless we're intentional, it will not happen. 
He also knew that this side of eternity, there would always be more of Jesus that we need to surrender to. It's a daily walk, and, and we're just asking ourselves the question, are we, are we closer to Jesus today than we were yesterday? So imagine the difference in, in your life, every aspect of your life, if you intentionally sought to make Jesus the heart of everything. And when I say everything, we were praying, and one of the elders said the word that strikes him is, is the word everything. When we say everything, Jesus means everything. <laughs> he doesn't mean this stuff, but, but not that stuff. He means absolutely everything. For us as a church, the worship group, do you want to come, come back up? For us as a church, Jesus at the heart of everything means that we don't do things because that's our tradition or that's our history. We don't, we don't do things because that's what we've always done. But rather, any activity that we do is because it flows through the filter of Jesus, the heart of everything. It, it's being done because it expresses that Jesus is the heart of this church. A church that seeks to allow Jesus to be the heart of everything. So we're not constrained by our history or our traditions or our personalities, but rather we live in expectation that Jesus is the heart of a church that is moving and growing and changing and impacting upon its community. That's what it means when with the harvest. I once read about a church that changed its vision statement to whatever it takes. That's, that was their vision. Whatever it takes to do anything that Jesus calls us to do. Whatever it takes to see every single person in our neighborhood that they will know the love of Jesus. Whatever it, it takes. And yet I sometimes wonder in our churches because of us and our personality we're like, yeah well Whatever it takes, providing I'm all right with that. Providing I like that. And they were like, no, whatever it takes. They, they decided that for them, in their setting, in their community, that was a, a very young community, that was a very uh, contemporary community, that part of the whatever it takes was to change their style of worship. They used to have a big pipe organ. And to change it from traditional hymns to contemporary music. And they changed it. They did whatever it takes. They changed it overnight. The problem was they forgot to tell the organist. <laughs> and they said in this book I was reading, in the story of this church, it's because of the heart of that man that he was willing to do whatever it takes so that Jesus was the heart of everything because of his, his grace, because of his walk with Jesus, that he went with us in the church group. I, don't, I hope this is landing with you, church. I know it's hot, and I know we don't think well when it's hot, but these are big questions. For when Jesus is truly 
the heart of all that we are as a church. Wow. Then we're going to see a move of Jesus like never before. Does that excite you? Do you want to see a move of the Spirit in this place and in this community like never, ever, ever, ever before? Yeah, three of you do. That's lovely. That's great. Well, then let's do it. Let's as a church, let's, you know, let's just seek to, to make in the heart of everything that we are and everything that we do. Whether we like it or whether we've done it before, whether it's part of our tradition or part of our, our, our history or our heritage or, or whether someone's is going to like let, let's do what Jesus wants us, is calling us to do. But to do that in the church, we have to do it in our lives. We have to live lives that, that we will do whatever it takes to make Jesus at the heart of everything that we are. As I close, uh, you know, part of that is really difficult. I remember chatting to somebody in a couple of churches ago that I was leading, and, and this guy, he, he loved Jesus, but he had something going on in his life that was, that was just stopping him moving forward with Jesus. And... Uh, and he changed jobs, he, he got this job, and, and the struggle that he had in life, this, this, this new job, just, it just encouraged that lifestyle that he knew was not what he should be doing. And it, it, was, it was killing him, and it was killing his walk with Jesus, and it was killing his marriage. And he said to me, what do I do? I want Jesus to be the heart of everything. I said, you've got to leave the job. I've got to leave the job. You see, yeah, but it's paying my mortgage. It's, what do I do? I said, well, it's killing you. It's absolutely killing you. If you want Jesus to be the heart of everything, when I say it takes intentionality, that's painful. It, it, it hurts. It's hard. He left his job because he wanted Jesus to be the heart of everything that he was. If he stayed in that job, He wasn't. And that's when I say is this landing with you, church, because for for it to truly be the heart of everything that we have, it will take change in every single one of us. Some of that will be easy, and some of that may be painful. But the long run will be so worth it because Jesus will be at the heart of everything. Let's pray together. Father, just um, we come before you as your children, as your daughters, as your your sons. And we recognize, Father, that that you call us to things, and some of that is easy, and some of it is really difficult. But what you call us to is is not a life of compromise in our walk with you. You you call us to a life of uh, complete surrender giving you complete control and Father if your spirit has been speaking has been touching to us whether we're here or whether we're watching online Father I just may we just respond to you with hearts that are open to allow you to do whatever it is that you want to do in our lives and in this church Father we just want to open our hearts open 
our minds, open our arms and say, we are available to you. So that you do whatever it is that you want to do. Lead us, we pray. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.